Welcome back. Welcome in. 3rd of July here at Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com. Part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Trying to fit in a podcast before literal or figurative fireworks explode above us. This seems, Chris, like... Well, first, welcome in, Chris Anderson. This seems like the perfect, perfect spot for a Friday afternoon news dump. I'm living in fear of it. We all have plans for this afternoon and Saturday, and I'm just expecting to have... I don't know, one hand in the grill, and then my phone buzzes, and it's going to be 444, and something happens. Yeah, like you said, Friday new, Friday afternoon news dump, and if you can get a Friday afternoon news dump when most people are already on vacation, even better. Um, this is taking longer than I thought it would already. I'm not sure exactly what that means as far as uh the eventual outcome but like you said we're primed for for something here in the next 24 hours i'm tired of not being an expert that's happened a lot (laughs) during this period i just don't know virology and epidemiology and i'm not sure how you fit people into a stadium or a parking lot i just don't know that stuff and i can talk to people who do know and even they're kind of like i don't know so i can't even be a secondhand expert on this but this is a continuation of that and i just know two things so far um, if there's nothing, I think you search for something. And if there's something you search for more things. So what that means right now, who knows? But when we spoke with Neil Brown last week, he was confident. So we wrapped up quickly. His definition of quickly could be very different from what you and I might assume it could be. But I also heard, I don't know if I read this or if someone told me via text or email, I can't recall. Um, I'm not going to do any of the dead air that I typically do on the podcast. I <laughs> search in my phone or my email, but that, Lions had been on one of the Big 12 shows on Sirius XM and had said this was going to be basically like a... Well, God, are you okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he said this is going to be a drawn-out process and it would take some time and they weren't in a hurry, which, I mean, I'm not saying one opposes the other or that the story changed because something popped up, but just typical of this time. I don't know what's going to happen next and it feels kind of frustrating because I can't even wager a guess. Yeah, I... I have thoughts like wondering what happens. Like you said, I, if, if they found something, they got to keep looking for more. If they didn't find something, they still need to look for something. I think the longer this goes, the murkier the situation is. And I already thought it was a, a kind of delicate situation with some, you know, no clear cut. This is horrible or this def- definitively happened. Cause I thought we'd get there quickly because as I mentioned, the the very first day that this came out, that Tuesday afternoon when we were reporting a, uh, recording a podcast that afternoon, and I said, hey, all of these situations that Kerry Martin is alleging here, there are other parties involved. So it's going to be easy or should be easy to find answers to them. Some of them involve a third person that witnessed it. Some of it involved a third person that said it. Some of it involved a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth person that were in the room. Some of it was recorded, so it should be pretty clear cut. And the fact that it might not be, uh, it has me a little concerned because then I think once you get into this murky area of what to do and and how to proceed, you're going. There's going to be issues almost no matter which which way the school goes. I feel like strange times. Very strange times here. Not the stuff I want to be talking about or writing about. 
and I don't know. I'm increasingly uncertain about <laughs> the the start time, the finish line for football, and I don't even want to think about that. So I want to offer you a couple things to divert you. A couple topics I want to hit on here that we'll get to, and then we'll try to wrap it up with um, some questions that came in after the buzzer for our Q&A mailbag last, I guess that would have been on, what, Wednesday morning? Mm-hmm. But uh, I wrote something Thursday that used the Sportsline data, their simulation project for the 2020 season, and it established over-unders for betting purposes for the Big 12. I'm assuming you read that, right? I did. Let's do some over-unders. You want to? Sure. All right. West Virginia's over-under is five and a half, which is tricky. That's like the one spot where I wouldn't feel great about it. I think a lot of people are going to say, oh, my gosh, they won five last year. They should be much better. I think the schedule's maybe tougher this year and also complicated by what's going on right now. It's just going to be hard to be good. Never mind better. It's going to be hard to be good. And that's a, a tough spot. I think a lot of people are going to bet the over on that. Um, and sure enough, Sports Sign says over. But not convincingly, just 5.9 wins. It ran 10,000 simulations of the season that had West Virginia on average winning 5.9 games. Um, that's right on the cusp of a bowl, obviously. But interesting there is that you can kind of make money on either bet there. A $100 bet had plus 210 odds. Um, but the over bet, I'm sorry, had plus 110 odds, and the over under bet was plus 130. So if you bet 100, you got 210 back on the over. If you bet 100, you got 230 back on the under. So wisely, one of our readers said, why don't I just bet the house on both because I'm going to guarantee money either way, which is true. If you bet 1,000 on the over and 1,000 on the under, you're going to win at least 100 bucks, maybe 300 bucks. That's pretty cool. So West Virginia is at least a money-making venture this year. Um, what do you think about over under 5 and maybe also this, over under 5.9? Uh, first off, make sure we pause this so I can make it to my bookie before we proceed and let everybody else know about that little trick right there. Cause that's uh, there has to be something wrong. Cause obviously Vegas is smart enough not to do that. Uh, but I'm looking at the same odds that, that were referenced in this article and that's what it is. So yikes. Uh, if you want to jump on that, I don't advise gambling, but I might when it's when gambling might not actually be gambling, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, five and a half, like you said, Holy cow. That's, that's, that's what Vegas is supposed to do is make it tough for you. You're not really sure or tempt you one way or another. Um, what, what do you think? You go through the non-conference schedule uh, two and one, and, and you might be pretty pleased. And then you still got to go four and five in big 12 play, or you go one and two and five and four that I, I would, if you made me, place a bet i would pick the over but because i also think it's gonna be like a six maybe seven win team so i think i would go over over feels right yeah i don't have a problem saying that over feels right um and again i'm going over four and five and a half so i'm obviously going over 5.9 but i think that feels right here um but then things get really kind of funky in the rest of the big 12 here let's just rip through these pretty quickly baylor has a bunch coming back New coach, obviously, who knows what. But their over-under is seven and a half. Woo! That's ambitious. I like to go under there, but the under is plus 105. The over is minus 125. But the simulation had them at 6.7, so definitely under there. Um, kind of a worst-case scenario thing you would think for that program. As far as like the preseason projection is, um, certainly Baylor's been through worse than it has been to the worst case, so I don't want to say that. But 
think a lot of people think onward and upward with the the I would say steady but certain turnaround that Matt Rule had, but he's gone now. Dave Aranda's there, and suddenly just you know six point seven wins, which means um, maybe to the finish line for a bowl game or something like that. But that's probably one of the more interesting ones to me. I think a lot of people like that team at least continuing to get better and can't be worse defensively. Um, if you have a good defense, you bring a guy like Aranda in. But that one stood out to me. Um. Me personally, I, I like the under on that one um, a good bit because typically when I think of Baylor, I think of just an incredibly easy non-conference schedule. So you have to be a little concerned about that. Be like, up, oh, chalk up three wins there. But they actually play Ole Miss, which is not going to be easy. They play at, in Houston. And yeah, okay, they play uh, Incarnate World. Got it. That, that should be a, a 70 to nothing type win. Louisiana Tech is not bad. That that's yep. their third non-conference game. So that's that's it's in Waco, and they lost a couple uh, couple players to the NFL. So they may not be just as good as they were last year, but that's not exactly a gimme. And their league schedule is pretty darn tough. I mean, they're right. on the road at Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Texas, Iowa State, and West Virginia. Basically, what maybe say five of the top six, five of the top seven are all on the road mm-hmm. uh, for Baylor. So. I would feel quite comfortable going under on seven and a half with them. I'm with you. Um, your favorite one is Iowa State's over-under. Mm-hmm. Eight is the over-under. But not only that, minus 25, minus 125 over, plus 105 under. So the betting is on um, for them to go over. And sure enough, the average simulation is 8.1 wins. So they're going over with the simulation. Um, I'm... I'm in on Iowa State. You piqued my curiosity. I grabbed some things and read some some uh, people and publications that I like and did not realize that this is probably the best collection of skill, talent, and depth that Iowa State's had. They're always going to be sound on defense, but they have experience and depth on defense now, and they have some scary offensive players here. Over seems like a lock here too, right? Yeah, I'd still bet over on that. I don't like those the, the minus one twenty five very much, but it would be I would be pretty disappointed if Iowa State, I mean, didn't at least get a push there. I feel like eight is almost a gimme for them, uh, and I would think that nine is is a definite possibility. Kansas over under three and a half. The under is minus one forty. <laughs> the over is plus one twenty. Um, so they're favored to obviously win fewer than three and a half. The simulation says 3.7. There's two ways to look at Kansas. It's that it's year two, which can be tricky for a head coach because year one, sometimes coaches just consolidate and do the best of what they have. Year two, they finally get moving a little bit and, you know, kind of put their thumbprint on stuff. Kansas has pretty good offensive talent and has just a bunch of transfers and junior college players. It's year two or three for them. And it's, it's an hour and never, they just have to play and have to be good doesn't mean it's going to work but um the the betting for under is pretty significant here and it has them at 3.7 wins on the simulation but i want to go over because i think it's going to be a better team they should win some games but it is still kansas yep Uh, so when we were talking about it last time i i can't i can't give kansas the benefit of the doubt until they actually prove me wrong and Last year, the non-conference schedule, and this might have been my horrific gambling uh, that, that just bringing up bad memories, but 
I picked them as part of a parlay, I think, to beat Coastal Carolina because that was not a good Coastal Carolina team last year. They finished under 500 playing in, I'm sorry, whatever conference it is that, that Coastal Carolina is in, and the Sun Belt, I think. And then came right back out a week later and beat Boston College in in Boston by 24. Uh, and, and then gave West Virginia a run for their money the very next week and then just got demolished by TCU. So I, I'm not sure what exactly to think of them, but I, I can't go over. I just can't. I think their offense can be really good. They were screwed up on offense last year. They switched their coordinators out. They put their analyst in charge of their offense. They kept him around. They they actually had some pretty good games offensively, um, and they just ran into some bad luck at the end of the year. But I think they could be good. The trouble is they're home against New Hampshire, then bam, at Baylor right away, which could be, I don't want to say an important game, but one of those two overrunners could be affected there. Uh, then home against Boston College, and then at Coastal Carolina, there's a chance for three right there. And then all you have to do is kind of get one win the rest of the schedule. And then that could unfortunately be the hard thing. We have also learned you really can't bank on anything with Kansas in non-conference plays, too. So the, take your own risk there. The one that Sportsline liked the most out of all these for um, for an over-under bet was an over, obviously. For Kansas State here, Kansas State's over-under is six wins. I think that could be your ninth or, place, ninth or tenth place team. I was surprised it was six. My hunch right away was to go under. The under is plus 120. The over is minus 140, and the average simulation win total was seven there for Kansas State. I don't see this one. I don't agree with that. I feel like that team could step backward before they step forward. But pretty good program, pretty good coach who maybe overachieved last year with his first team, um, and now that he's got more of his people there and they understand things, maybe over isn't a bad bet. It is a bad bet, Mike. It is. (laughs) I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm looking at, you know, I always got to think, non-conference schedule because i think for the most part your big 12 conference schedule everyone's you know home and away and and how they string together can somewhat affect the difficulty of that but then you have to look at the non-conference because like i said we've seen baylor kind of line up three patsies in a row and start out the season three and oh kansas state um Buffalo, North Dakota, Vanderbilt that's it's not exactly murderer's row now each of those teams has, has had their moment uh, in recent years, I'm not quite sure how good any of the three are going to be this season, but I, I don't. I, I'm I'm one of the ones that thinks like you. Kansas State is going to finish ninth in the Big Twelve, and I do not think that a nine there are going to be nine teams bowl eligible in the Big Twelve this year. Oh man, I really want to bet on that one. <laughs> the more I think about that now, that could be a problematic situation there. Oklahoma also gets a really interesting wager here too. Over under is ten. The under is minus two ten because ten wins is still a pretty significant accomplishment, even in a you know twelve or thirteen game season, depending on the conference championship game. The over is plus one seventy five. But what I found interesting here, the simulation win total eight point six. Not only under ten, but way under ten there too. Um, benefit of the doubt is you go over because it's Oklahoma. Then you're also thinking, is this their worst quarterback situation in, I don't know, the Blake Bell years? It's been a while since they had a question mark there. Maybe Mayfield's first year, but I think they really liked that what he could do and what they thought he could do in that offense. But sooner or later, it's got to turn there, and you wonder if that maybe is some of the speculation here. I will be looking up to see what the odds are for 
individual win totals because I would love a push right there. I would place a few bucks on on just a straight 10 wins. Mm. Still a prohibitive favorite in the conference. We'll get to that. Uh, mm. My favorite bet coming up, Oklahoma State. I was surprised to see the over-under was just 8.5, um, plus 115 over, minus 135-under. So it's not even that certain right there. It's fairly close when you come to that. The average simulation, not only under, but again, much more under than you would think, 7.2. And at this point in this offseason, you, you kind of have to nod your head and go, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Oklahoma State and under, even though everything is pointing in that team's direction as being a team that could finally make a run in Oklahoma. Yeah, my very first thought when I saw that was, yes, please, I I will give you my money for the over. I am stunned that the simulations have it so low. Um, I'm curious. I'm curious about this. Um, the computer, the simulation. I mean, obviously, it's it's crunching numbers and and not putting much, you know, no feelings or anything like that into it. But you're you're not finding anybody that's according to that going to win more than nine games. Not like a, what's Oklahoma's the top at eight point six, mm-hmm. so I I don't think the Big Twelve is going to be like that this year, where there's four teams with eight wins and and everybody kind of evens out. I think there's still going to be a couple teams that can get to double digit wins. So I'm surprised that they think so lowly of Oklahoma State. Yeah, I'd be surprised if Oklahoma lost three games. That's one thing I keep coming back to. That would be a strange situation. Um, the team I always get wrong every year, TCU, over-under is six and a half, which just makes perfect sense for me because I can't quit them either way. Um, and again, the betting isn't even conclusive here. Minus 115 over, minus 105 under. And the average simulation for a 6.5 over-under is 6.4. So shrug your shoulders here and, and just kind of, I don't know, do you give Gary Patterson the benefit of the doubt? Or do you say, I did that the past couple of years and it hasn't worked out? Um, this could be a tough year for TCU. I could see under here. Um, I'm going to stay away from that and take the money that I allotted mm-hmm. to bet on TCU and instead double up on my money for under on Texas. It wouldn't surprise me to see TCU win like eight games and make a push of nine. Things go crazy, and it wouldn't surprise me to see them miss a bowl. It's just one of those weird rosters and weird teams. But recruited really well, develops obviously very well, but, man, it just hasn't shown up on the field. Um, Segway, Texas. Over under nine, plus 130 over, minus 150 under. Um, and the average simulation is, again, under and, and by almost a full game, 8.1. Um, I would go over eight. Under nine is tricky, too, but um, who knows? It's, it's, it's banking on Ellinger being really good and their defense kind of continuing to, to improve a little bit in depth and performance. But nine is hard, too, and nine kind of feels like a good spot for a push as well. I might steal your thunder there. No, I, I would, like I said, I'd t- take my money from TCU and double up on an under on Texas and feel comfortable with a potential push and just getting my money back there. You like under, huh? Yep. They uh, have the Charlie Strong Bowl. Unfortunately, Charlie Strong will not be in attendance. South Florida, <laughs> Texas. Uh, can you name the South Florida coach? Oh, man. No. Who is it? Want me to come back to you? I'll look it up. Let me Google. Well, the second game, uh, he, well, it's it's the guy who took Xavier Die away. Oh, Jeff Scott. Jeff Scott. Okay. Um, anyways, the Charlie, the Charlie Strong Bowl, unfortunately, he will not be in attendance. Maybe he will be. He's got nothing else to do. And then they go to LSU. 
and then they got a home game against UTEP. So um, I don't know, probably should win two there. And then it's just a matter of getting the seven wins in the conference push. Doesn't seem like it's too hard. And then, again, the other pick for nine or ten in the standings, I think, is Texas Tech. But the over-under here, again, is six. It's even on the betting here. Minus 110 over, minus 110 under. But the average simulation win total is over by a bunch to 6.9. I disagree. I don't think this is going to be a good team at all. Um, I know the quarterback has been good when he's been on the field. Just had not been on the field very much. Uh, under, 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 under. I am leaning under as well, but again, we have to keep in mind non-conference schedule, kind of a head start of UTEP, Alabama State, and Arizona at home. I, I think as bad as I also believe Texas Tech might be this season, that could very well be a 3-0 and start, and then you only got to get three more just to get a push, and that's not easy in the Big 12, of course, but um, have to take that into account. And then the conference standings. This was interesting to me because I think we've always talked about we have our three prohibitive favorites, and it's going to be Oklahoma, Texas, and Oklahoma State. Um, that's the betting favorites. Um, Oklahoma's plus 100 to win. Texas is plus 150. Oklahoma State's plus 500. Iowa State would be next at plus 1,500. But in the simulations, Oklahoma won most often, 28.47% of the time. Texas, 259 Iowa State won 21.7% of the time, so more than one out of five times, they won the conference. And Mike Gundy, true to life, 6.1% of the time. So one out of like 16, 17, uh, his team won the conference there. I love it. Um, and again, boy, the more I think about Iowa State and what they could do this year, good schedule, I think, for the home and aways in the conference. Probably going to be a, a betting sweetheart, I think, here too. But um, I think now we're looking at a situation where maybe it's not just the top three, it's the top four which kind of makes more sense about how the rest of the conference can fill itself in. Because if four is closer to one, then four is closer to 10, which probably is the truth here. Five through 10 could be a pretty interesting competition. Maybe that's when you shake yourself out and you get up there. But um, certainly seems like there's a lot of momentum toward establishing the Cyclones as a contender this year. Hey, don't have to tell me. You heard it from me on Tuesday or Wednesday, I guess. I, I That was my pick as a dark horse candidate to um, – finish up top of the league, at least make it to the championship game. And I think they got a lot of the weapons. I think Brock Purdy uh, can put it together with another year and really lead that offense. And that's why I, I kind of picked them as somebody that might sneak into that championship game, even over say Texas or Oklahoma state. It's kind of an hour never for Matt Campbell too. He's a bigger one of these off seasons. He's going to, he's going to lead you. Right. I would think so. We all thought it might have happened last year. I mean, he's he's linked to different schools almost every offseason now, so it's it's only going to get worse. A $10 bet on Kansas to win the Big 12 would make you $1,260. What do you think? I'm sorry, can you say that again? A $10 bet on Kansas to win the Big 12 would get you $1,260. Mike, no, I, I did hear you the first time. I just, I can't, <laughs> I can't. And I won't, I won't hear it. Okay. This, that's the kind of stuff that Vegas is built on that kind of talk right there. Let's go to what um, college football is built on here. We have two sagas that kind of merged predictably, but also unexpectedly in Congress this week with some name, image, and likeness interrogation from our representatives. Um, 
seems like it's the inevitable next step. In fact, the Power Five had kind of asked the, the Congress to do something before the NCAA stuck its nose in it. I kind of thought that was interesting. But um, obviously, when it comes to labor, higher ed, stuff like this, the, the Congress is going to be interested and want to be worried about, I don't know, antitrust things, Title IX things. There's a whole myriad, um, there's myriad concerns here, and just a big basket of, you know, talking points for people to really wring their hands over. And sure enough, that does happen here. But um, plucking headlines, it seemed like it was expected. Some of the, the things that people said, and maybe even the people who said it. But what did you take out of, I don't know, the interrogation, the conversation that happened here, apart from some people who probably don't get it, and yet insist on being involved in this? I, to start with, the original intent of the conversation, the hearing, uh, was surrounding name, image, and likeness. I appreciated some of the questions. I liked how hard they pressed on the administrators to kind of say, hey, you're tasking these young men with all of these different responsibilities, but then your kind of counter-argument to why we can't move forward with name, image, likeness, why you can't pay these players, why you can't let them do what they want to do is because they won't know how to handle it. So you can't, you can't say one thing, do another, say it, make it different over here. It, they are either responsible enough to handle all of this or they're not, period. You can't cherry pick which parts you want them to be responsible enough to handle. And the, the one thing, maybe it's not um, the, the biggest headline, but first I love that, that you know the Ohio State president, I believe, uh, President Emeritus, was one of the witnesses that was being questioned, of course. <laughs> um, that well, that kind of ties into the next part of what they start talking with with the coronavirus pandemic and everything related to that, and Ohio State being the first program to or publicly to be listed as having a, a waiver for the student athletes to sign before they could to come back in. Although he he pushed back on the term waiver, wanted it called a pledge, uh, which all I could think about um, was dazed and confused, where they try to get the guys to uh, sign the pledge to not do drugs during the summer. Um, and then, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. That's all I could think of forcing like football it. players to sign up a pledge. But his comment when asked, I believe it was his comment, his response. Um, how many of, let's say 22 players, you know, starting, starting 11 on both sides of the ball are going to benefit from the name, image, and likeness. And he said quite plainly, three or four. And then his nose grew 14 <laughs> inches in front like, of his face. It was amazing to me. Like, I couldn't believe, like, my first thought is benefit. Okay, are, are you trying to narrowly define that as, if you're going to say, which, how many people are going to make six-figure incomes from their name, image, and likeness? Okay, maybe at Ohio State you're going to say three or four. But how many people are going to benefit from that? probably about everyone because even if it's, you know, obviously it's going to be on a scale. Uh, the, the superstars are going to benefit a little more than the third stringers and so on and so forth, but they're also going to do things as a team together. Cause I also see people, uh, local businesses, not cherry picking, say one player or two players, but instead trying to get a team thing, uh, together for, uh, sponsorship or advertising advertisements, and then spreading that money around to all of them. So, I like. I agree. His nose grew. Couldn't believe it. I thought that was just a blatant lie, and him trying to 
kind of downplay this whole situation. The one part that I caught too, and then I actually read up on it later on, so I want to make sure I heard it right. It was just on in the background when I was working. But when um, Shelly Moore Capito was speaking, and she was talking to Greg Sankey, who's the SEC commissioner, and I want to say it was Mississippi's athletic director, um, maybe Mississippi State. I want to say Mississippi. But they're talking about the, the, the new rules and regulations, and their concern was that um, Title IX affects and specifically women's sports, and that somehow funding or otherwise support would be tilted which I don't get the correlation. If your football players at, let's just stick with Ohio State, are making money, just three or four of them, of course, Mm -hmm. by marketing their NIL, how does that affect women's gymnastics, softball, women's basketball? I don't see that. Unless they're saying that people are going to be less inclined to give support to those athletes on those women's sports, because they're going to get funneled into the revenue sports, which technically don't need revenue. Are they going to have fewer donors? The logic didn't connect to me. I just made me think that these people aren't armed to have this conversation here. There's a disconnect that people are going to throw out um, just based on the argument. And I think a lot of times Title IX makes people worry and they're just kind of, I don't know, leery about saying anything. But I didn't find any connection there to make any sense. And theoretically, if you only have three or four athletes who are worth investing in, there's an entire other part of the athletic department, including gymnasts and women's basketball players and softball players, who you could theoretically give money to if you're really interested in investing in the NIL initiative. It made no sense to me, and, and it just made me think, like, this is so far from the starting line right now, and yet it's coming pretty quickly that they, they got to figure out a way to do this. And, and it's not like it's a new thing. They've been, they've been clutching their pearls about this for, for years and years now. I just feel like they've been treading water, and, and now is not the right time to have the heads of higher education and athletics and college devoting fractional interest to what is a primary concern of student athletes. And on a related note to the, to the women's sports and, and the smaller non-revenue generating sports, we kind of already touched on this a month ago or so when I had that story from athletic director, you, I believe it was called naming the top um, potential earners for the name image and likeness. And the vast majority of them were, women's gymnasts, women's basketball, uh, like everything that, you know, they're concerned about these, they can make their own money. And, and so it will benefit everyone rather than being a detriment to some of these people. Also, if you're worried about supporting women's sports and minor sports, support women's sports and minor sports, open up your pocketbooks and make your donors <laughs> actually funnel that money in. I mean, how many more like bells and whistles can an Ohio state or a Clemson have in their football office while the other ones just kind of stand in the soup line and hope to get crumbs. That's not right. So if you're really interested in this stuff or you're, you're kind of concerned about having it go where it should go, be active with it, you know, actually, actually go out and talk to your donors and your boosters and say, this is actually what we need right now. We don't need a helipad on our football, the, the roof of our football building, but we could use ABC for our title nine sports who we're really concerned about in this environment. That makes no sense to me. Don't like um, it. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, as I said, the uh, the other part where maybe these uh, administrators were not exactly genuine, uh, the discussion around the pandemic and how to handle it and why the NCAA does not have any sort of uniform plan to handle this. Yeah. Kind of leaving it up to everyone. They, they, uh, want, they want a uniform plan for name, image, likeness, but they don't have one for a pandemic that might wipe out the sport entirely. <laughs> It was the best part of the whole thing for me was that all of a sudden they swerved out of their lane 
just to hit the mailbox and say, oh, we got to get this one thing down because that's a really good point. What What is the governance? So what's the governing body? And, and again, I keep talking about this too, but we hit a point where everybody was concerned about student athletes are students. And if you can't have a campus for students, you can't have student athletes. If you can't have people in the stands, it's not safe. How can it be safe for the players? And all of a sudden we hit this like bump in the road and everybody realized they hadn't spilled their drink and their seatbelts were still secure and they were ready to go forward and they just kind of shrugged their shoulders. And now you see like there's been a couple players out in Arizona and or Arizona State who have said in response to tweets from the governor or somebody local in government saying, everybody's got to go back inside. The numbers are way too high. And here are football players saying, well, why are we working out? Why are we practicing? And why wouldn't that be more and more prevalent, you think, in the next couple of days or weeks if this goes unchecked? And it's going to go unchecked. So what's the number you hit when you turn things down? Is it a number of players infected? Is it a percentage of the locker room? I don't know. Is it a frequency? I don't know. It's it's really bad. And now you've got like the governor of South Carolina saying, if you don't wear a mask, we're not going to play football. All of a sudden, like people are talking up about this. It's all should have been tucked in way before. Too many smart people. I think smart people are, are involved in this. And it just hasn't been put the right way. And it just seems to me like they're holding their breath and saying, let's go for it. And, you know, if we if we do make a mess along the way of the situation, then we'll try to figure it out in stride. And I don't know how the heck you do that. But they finally got finally Congress stepped in and kind of said, what's going on here? Shouldn't you do something? I don't know how far they'll push it. I don't know what type of oversight they can possibly have. But I think it's OK to give them a browbeating at this point and say, hey, can we see something? That's some sort of guidance or some sort of light to follow here. And I, I don't know. I, I'd be curious to see what the reaction is right now. And I kind of wish they pressed harder or more on that. But maybe their day is still coming, too. Hey, Mike, do you know what my, my response to that Arizona football player is? Do, oh, I don't know. These workouts are voluntary, Mike. Don't you know that? <laughs> They're all voluntary. All completely voluntary. It's, uh, God, it's, it's just. I'll leave it at you, that. You can see this coming, and like again, if you if you don't think that a team is going to do something here, I just think it's naive that because somebody's going to have the. I mean, UCLA kind of thought about it, and you know, just you know, Thursday afternoon I saw similarly but not the identical thing, uh, a Texas player again saying that he's not playing football until the university responds to the team's demands. So you know, I think a lot of people kind of figure that these these very public grievances are going to kind of fizzle out and that the players will go back to the team. But I don't think that's their inclination right now. So um, we'll see what that one there. Um, so I don't know. Another day, I guess we'll be curious to see how it goes uh, locally here. West Virginia brings basketball players back on the sixth football starts mandatory team activities one week later. So this is ramping up quickly. Um, and who knows uh, there, there's different theories about why numbers are where they're at, but it's a fluid situation. Obviously you kind of have to keep, keep tracking here um speaking of fluid we did not get all of our cues aid in wednesday's q a a couple came in like i said past the buzzer and i want to flip a few or with eh, let me see one two three i guess flip a few your way if that's all right you in yeah go for it let's do it who is the next blue slash teal chip recruit to come from one of the west virginia high schools in the upcoming classes that is a question from chestnuts this is, this is a Next blue or teal from West Virginia. Who do you think? Well, I think we already got two uh, that are coming and the class of 2022. Amazingly, both tight ends, although they can play a couple different spots. Uh, the first is Spring Valley's Corbin Page, who's already got offers from Cincinnati and Marshall. West Virginia has been in touch. They visited. They are aware of him. Um, he Again, class of 2022, six foot five tight end. 
And then another six foot five tight end in 2022 is Poca's Toby Payne. His older brother, Ethan, is obviously well known around the state. Kennedy Award winner, uh, very prolific running back. Not sure he'll get an offer. He is being looked at by West Virginia class of 2021. But Toby, the younger brother, uh, picked up his first Power 5 offer last week from Rutgers. He has an 86 rating from 24-7 Sports. Page has an 89 rating from 24-7 Sports. Uh, those numbers are obviously fluid. We have to take into account other um, ratings when we talk about the 24-7 Sports composite. But uh, those two guys are up there. So two guys to know for the upcoming classes. Years ago, West Virginia would not commit a scholarship to a fullback. Um, and kind of said, we can use walk-ons from the state. And, and make that I kind of think that there might have been a bend toward that a little bit with the tight end position. There are just so few and far between. And now we're in such a place now we're like we're talking tight ends, S backs, maybe maybe they're guys who do a little bit of both from the state who are getting scholarships too. This has changed really quickly with regard to that that position or, or like that that type of position, that fullback, H back tight end. Yeah, there's and I don't expect them to kind of bail on the position in that class. Now, granted, they picked up a couple for twenty twenty one. And but it wasn't too long ago. Uh, his name is young man's name is escaping me, but uh, he was from Parkersburg. Brenton Strange. Uh, yes, a big time recruit. And West Virginia basically it came from up on high uh, inside the football program that West Virginia was not going to offer a tight end in that class, much to the chagrin of then tight ends coach uh, Dan Gerber, uh, Gerberry. And Strange was just there, right there, in-state, ready. Uh, you know, I don't know if he would have ended up at West Virginia. He might not have anyway. He ended up with a lot of big-time offers. But that not taking tight end in that class kind of set them behind for the future because then that happened, then a transfer, then you lose a guy, all of a sudden your room's pretty light, and West Virginia's having to restock it by taking two commits in this class, one in the last, and still looking at at least one, maybe two for 2022. Brenton Strange, one catch, four yards, one touchdown last year. Only played in two games and then a bread shirting, but certainly looks the part. Um, similar, I guess, to this question that we just asked you um, about the teal or blue chips. So we'll stick with the kind of a recruiting thing here. But um, long story short on this question, um, the, the premise is that canceling the summer visits and the camps kind of hurts programs trying to figure out who they can offer when they get on campus. If you can't look at guys, it's hard to offer them. We've been over a number of players that most recently, last podcast, we talked about Favorus and Wickstrom, about guys who they saw on campus and said, wow, we like this guy. They never would have put eyeballs on him otherwise unless they hadn't been on campus. So if you take that away, not just from international players, but players you don't see at their high school games or at a spring practice on their campus, it's hard to recruit then. You're going to have your scope severely limited. So the question then who are players that West Virginia would be considering more seriously and now maybe late to the party to because of the recruiting ban? So basically, Chris, a couple of guys on your list who might have shown off and gotten interest either from West Virginia or beyond if this had been a normal June and July. I think first and foremost is, again, right, in-state, and it was somebody that was mentioned on in that board post. And that's Bryce Biggs from Spring Valley. Uh, 6'6", 270, already has a handful of offers. West Virginia's seen him once. But he was another one of those guys that 
didn't play offensive line until last year. So last summer when he was up at West Virginia, that was his first real time playing um, offensive line. And he had changed schools multiple times. So that was also going to be his first time at, or was his first year at spring Valley. So he had kind of flown under the radar. And I think if he had had a full spring of evaluation, if he had a full summer to go to camps, especially West Virginia, he's someone that would have picked up a lot of offers. I mean, he's already got double digit offers, but those are from the likes of Bowling Green, Arkansas State, Akron. And I think with a, a spring and a summer, he's the type of guy that might have gotten, you know, take another step up to Cincinnati, uh, maybe another step up to a West Virginia and and Power 5 programs like that. So uh, he would be first and foremost on that list uh, for guys that West Virginia has been talking to. Um, Elijah Spencer's another one. He's been around a couple times at West Virginia for camp. Uh, he's got ties to the state. Uh, big, tall receiver, very athletic. He's Again, he's another guy that's got a couple small school offers. And if he had improved his body, you know, got in the weight room over the last year, because I, I haven't seen him since last summer, but a, a good sophomore tape or a good junior tape, good offseason workouts, and then shows up to camp looking good, testing better, he might have been somebody that could have gotten an offer as well. It could be an advantage for West Virginia, though, right? I mean, imagine if, like, these guys actually do have really good, you know, seasons coming up and they commit along the way. But, like, if nobody from a border school, I mean, let's just say hypothetically Cincinnati, Ohio State, Pitt, Penn State, um, if they hadn't come to campus, to their campus and, and camped there, so they didn't go to Cincinnati, they didn't go to Ohio State, whatever, they don't get discovered. And you wonder, are major programs going to venture to that part of this state to go see them? Probably not. West Virginia can make that connection a lot easier. It's a car ride on a Friday night. Um, you can get back in time for a Saturday game. No big deal. Uh, also, players from the state just have an affinity for WVU, so that helps. It seems like that could be a great advantage if those guys do, in fact, turn out to be, never mind blue or teal chip players, but just worthy scholarship players. That could be to their benefit. Yeah, and uh, Big Ed, the the commitment from Finland just the other day, Maybe he doesn't end up at West Virginia because, as you mentioned, that uh, European group, the PPI recruits, they had all the intention of the world of, of coming back to the States with another big group of guys this summer to make a tour and see 15, 20 different college campuses and work out for college coaches. And that would have included um, Big Ed over there. And maybe he comes and maybe he gets seen by a bunch of schools and everybody's like, wait, that guy's available right now? And... If he is, you know, maybe West Virginia isn't the one that gets to scoop him up last minute. Let's wrap up with this. Mm -hmm. How many Dive Dr. Peppers and whiskey have you poured since your big announcement? Uh, None yet, because I have to coach Little League this afternoon. So um, I I think it's best if I don't show up to that um, after 15 Dive Dr. Peppers. Okay, good. But this, sure. yes. That'll be the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but the good news, uh, which you announced on our board on Thursday afternoon, not that it was ever really a concern, even though it kind of did get down to the wire, but that's just the way business goes. But, hey, uh, you're not going anywhere. Stick and neither around. are you, are you? Not, neither am I, too. It was the, That was complicated. It wasn't really a problem or anything like that, but we're both back. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess the rumors of our demise were – greatly exaggerated so to speak but uh hey good for you congratulations yeah it feels good um 
like I said it, uh, on the thing, I think this was uh, my fifth go around with the old contract negotiations because we've had all the mergers with the sites and the different networks and going from uh, 24-7 to CBS and everything like that. So um, kind of old hat here, but like I said, it wasn't sure what was – things were going great, but you never know just how much – when you write about college football and basketball and recruiting for a living and there is no college football or basketball or recruiting, you don't know exactly what's going to happen, no matter how good things have been going lately. So it feels good to have that done. feels good to be locked in for, um, for an extended period of time. And, and we'll see where it goes from here. And, and it feels good to have you still with me. I, I don't want to go back to being alone, Mike. Don't like me be alone. So I have some news I can add to that. Go for it. For the first time since I've been here, I do not have a second or third preoccupation. Um, <laughs> I finished grad school more than a year ago. So I was doing grad school my first two years. I got my master's in integrated marketing. Um, it's hanging on my wall. That's cool. It has not It has not collected dust. I use it a lot. Actually, I use it quite a bit for what we do when it comes to marketing and numbers and things like that. It comes up true every day I find something there. Uh, also, um, break a little news as I did no longer teaching kind of um part of the ways there chose not to pursue a full-time position they found a very good person to fill in and take the four classes which includes the one I taught forever I don't want to spoil that person's thunder but it should become apparent soon a lot of people recognize the name so I feel pretty good about being able to hand I shouldn't say hand that off I feel pretty good about shoes being filled by someone who is certainly um, capable of doing that but also, like, I have all this time to myself now, and just in time for the 2020 football season. Perfect, so I can devote all my attention to these games we're going to play and all these practices <laughs> we're going to attend and all these news conferences we can cover. Um, could have thought that one through a little bit better. but uh, And then also, yeah, um, scrapped up my final, con- final year of my contract and went through with a, a new one. And as somebody who spent my entire life in newspapers, to have contract for a couple of years is unbelievable. It's kind of refreshing. I don't have to worry about stuff so much, especially since now. Like, we haven't had sports for going on four months and really haven't blinked. I think about this. Like, never mind how much stuff we've done. Think about this. How many times have you and I talked about, we should do this, we should do this, We have a, this could be a series, we're going to need stuff to fill content. And so many of those ideas we haven't really dusted off and tried to, like, use because, one, there's something every day, but I think we've been pretty good about creating content um, and not just stuff. It's stuff I think people look at, click on, talk about, share with other people. It's not just filler it's not anything that's kind of hollow and empty it actually is stuff that serves a purpose in a time without sports which is kind of hard to do Um, i think about a lot of those examples we've had about podcasts or series of stories that we kind of got going and then just because there's only so much you can do every day and over time that we never really kind of picked them all up again it's good to have the ideas but it's probably pretty good we haven't had to use all of them either kind of a in case of emergency break glass there's a whole lot behind that glass Oh, yeah. There's a Word document on my computer right now with a lot of the things that we've talked about that we thought we would be using in May uh, or early June. And here we are in July and haven't touched them. So uh, um, assuming no hitches, maybe we'll never see them. Uh, and, and that might be OK by me. Feel free to brag here for a second, because I get this a lot when I tell people who I work for and oh what's that like oh i'm like well actually it's pretty great and then you kind of figure some things out and then they never ask how much do you make or whatever but i always have to tell them like i don't get paid per click like i have a salary um we have like incentives because if you do good work you should get rewarded that exists but it's not like 
per click I get paid or anything like that. It's an actual salary. Um, but also, like, I think people think that it's something that happens and you're just posting stories on a blog or a WordPress or a Facebook. No, it's it's an actual CBS property. Uh, that's We're under that umbrella, too. But um, it's come a long, long way from when I started. But it's come an even longer way from when you started. So go back to the the Dust Bowl days <laughs> of the site. What what was it like back then and how did it get here? So I think for some of you early, early, early people, uh, you'll remember uh, Jeff Ehrman, who is the publisher of the Maryland site. He had actually given me my first shot on WV, on the WVUB, kind of covering some things, doing recruiting, posting some, and it just kind of built from there. And I eventually took over the site. And then, yeah, I think my first contract, I negotiated directly with Shannon, Shannon Terry. <laughs> we talked, uh, I, I don't even, it, CBS was nowhere near involved at the time. It was 24-7 sports, but through Shannon's company. And then, uh, like I said, it, it, a lot of movement between with, with all the 24-7 sports moves. Every time they make a move, I have to do a new contract. Every time we make a move, I have to do a new contract. So CBS bought them up and then bought um, Scout up when Scout went bankrupt and then merged in sites, then had to do that again. And that was when we ended up talking to you. And because I remember, I think, uh, you know, Joel Cox, who came over from Scout and is, uh, I like to call him the um, VP of talent. He, he is the one that we negotiate with and talk with about our jobs. And he kind of said, you know, you want to add another one? I said, yeah, I can't do this alone anymore, especially if we're merging and, and increasing the site. We need to give them more content, we need to give them more, uh, more people. And he said, who you? who do you got? Give me a list. And I, I, he said, I, I see all these other guys. I see this guy and this guy and this guy. I said, Joel, there, here's my list of people that I'm willing to work with right now. And um, let's just say my list was not very long, uh, which maybe that says more about me than it does about the other people that didn't make the list. I don't know. But, and then uh, I think it was, I, I can't remember if it was right before that or right after that, you had called me to, give a couple recommendations for people to come work with me. Yeah. Was and there an I, internship program or a part-time no, position think, opening? I, no. So I think I said, I don't know if I, um, cause I don't think at the time we hadn't actually put out a position. Like we hadn't formally, you know, requested resumes and put an opening on the CBS website or anything like that. Cause the merger hadn't even happened. Nothing. And, but I think I had said publicly we're going to be adding to the team soon, but I didn't specify internship or anything like that. And I think a lot of people thought I meant intern because um, I was contacted by a few people about, hey, I'll take up, you know, I'll take up an internship. I can hop on that. I can do this. And you called me up, started giving me a couple of recommendations. And I was just like, mm, how about you? And you're like, what? <laughs> you're like, uh, what do you mean? And I was like, I don't know. Do you want to work for CBS? Would be nice. And uh, I can't remember where it went from there. I just remember, I, I think I, 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 I remember my conversation with Joel after that. And I said, I thought we would be uh, the best compliment, the best combination. Cause I thought it was a good compliment. Cause you had the more detail oriented team stories, the inside sources on that angle. And I could cover a lot of the recruiting stuff. And I said, but I don't, I don't know, Joel, he works for the newspaper, man. 
I don't think he'd come work with us. And Joel was like, I'll call him up. I'll call him up. And I think he got in touch with you the next day. I was noticeably not the first choice. I know that. <laughs> like, I know the story and everything. Um, and then, um, but like, I was, I don't know, 1B, I guess. Maybe I was first with the bullet. Maybe I was just like alphabetically, uh, it, I guess. Clarify, 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 clarify. My first choice. Yeah. Okay. okay. It, well, I, my, you you were my first choice. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is fine. Like I, I think there was a short list and they went through it, but I was not the only choice. How's that? But also, yeah, the phone call with Joel was very interesting because I didn't know him um, and I, I wasn't sure what his affiliation was. But I think you told me like, listen, this guy's going to give you a call. And I said, sure, whatever. Listen, I love working in newspapers. That's the only thing I wanted to do growing up, and I thought it was really cool to do that. Something about. There's something about getting the paper in your hand and seeing what you wrote in there above the fold, picking up in your doorstep or your mailbox. Um, I was romantic like that before, like, the Internet stuff kind of took over and became an obsession that was completely boggled the way out where I worked. Too. It wasn't done the way it should have been. Um, but I didn't want to leave. I liked working in a place that investigated and had a Pulitzer Prize. And I just liked being a newspaper guy. It was a fun thing to do. After about five minutes of Joel, uh, me asking questions like, how does this work? Um, and then I learned things like salary, benefits, exposure, um, what your audience is. I was out. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, I mean, I was out of the newspaper thing. I was like, this is it. This is the future. And then it's it's turned into, I mean, exactly what everybody said it was going to be, which is kind of cool. And the fact that we can continue this in a really crazy time is, is good. And then the bummer is we were going to add a third person. Yeah. Big and plans. then unfortunately it got unplugged. And, and who knows? I mean, I, I don't think that it's something that we can't afford. I mean, obviously we can't, they're bringing us back and paying us. So like, it's not like they're cutting costs and that stuff, but more importantly is what's that person going to do? Like, never mind what sports they're going to cover, but are you going to be allowed at events? Are you going to be allowed at news conferences? I don't know. It's hard to figure that out right now, but I still think that at some point when everybody gets their feet settled back in the ground, I think we're going to jump off from there too. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Uh, I guess, like you said, the, the plan where was in the spring, boy, we're going to, I was really pushing hard to get a third person hired and move forward. And in retrospect, I'm kind of glad, you know, CBS kind of pumped the brake, not pumped the brakes, but they were like, yeah, we're going to talk about it in, in a few weeks. Cause then, and then a couple of weeks later, everything was canceled. So that would have, that would have stung to have hired a third person and then the third person not have anything to do. Um, but uh, we are looking forward to it. Cause I, I, as I've said, I think, from the very beginning, when I first started this, I, it was a part-time job. I was I was working as a um, warehouse manager for a vending company and doing this on the side. And the more people came, the more I was time I was able to invest in it. And we kept building and growing from there. And, and I kept saying from the very beginning that the more people that trusted in us and trusted in the site and would and would invest in the site by coming to it, visiting it, uh, getting subscriptions, that I promised we would reinvest that into building the site and improving the product. We've done that and we're going to continue to do that. So I hope you guys continue to support and we are very, very thankful for you. Hardest thing for me was pitching subscriptions because I never had to do that before. Yeah. And it, but it's like absolutely mandatory. And by the way, it's a good idea. Like, why wouldn't you, I mean, you can, you can bank on free news if you want now. And there's less and less of that than there was before. Where do you think all the free news comes from? It comes from the people who you have to pay news to get for. So um, I don't know if you like it emergency and urgency in your reporting um heck a subscription is a bad idea for that stuff and it keeps the world going around too i mean not just us but other people you see all that stuff about support the times or the post or your local paper whatever that stuff matters it's the way you get news right now and more importantly it's the way you produce it too um 
So we don't have to worry about our secondary career. I thought that was a funny question in our last Q&A because we both knew that that wasn't going to be a problem. So now we can actually talk about that. But uh, I will bring up one story about something I will not be doing. I will not be hunting and gathering because <laughs> I have a terrible um, groundhog problem in my house. So Still? Or not still, in- but I think you've talked about a groundhog or tweeted about a groundhog terrorizing Morgantown before really? at least. So I live in the, I live not far from the downtown and the Evansdale campus, kind of right in between behind the law school, behind the football stadium. Like I can, I can see football practice if I wanted to probably do. Right. Anyways, I'm that close to things. So it's a lot of students in my neighborhood and with the population down and with people being inside a lot, you just didn't have a lot of cars and driving around. And I noticed we had way, way bigger squirrels and a lot more groundhogs because frankly, they're not getting hit by cars. Like, there's a thing in my neighborhood where a couple times a year you'll catch a whiff of something and it's roadkill that just got smushed on the road and then has been out in the sun on the blacktop for days. And it's like, oh, my God, this is bad audio. I know that. But, like, you can kind of get where I'm coming from. Haven't had that. Instead, we've had squirrels that look like groundhogs and groundhogs that are really ambitious. And I have a dog and it's part beagle and it's dumb and stubborn. And it's also a hunter. So I'm scared to death of the confrontation because groundhogs don't run away. They go to their hole. And that happens to be under my deck. So if I let my dog out back off the deck and the groundhog's out in the yard, it's not going to run the other way. It's going to run toward my dog and toward its little nesting system. So I've been trying to get rid of it. Um, I've had a humane trap for about a week now. Finally caught one. Had the whole thing camouflage underneath brush. Cantaloupe was ripe. Groundhogs love cantaloupe. You know what else loves cantaloupe? Possums. I call so you're, you're just attracting more and more rodents to your, I, your your humble abode? Caught a possum, and it was not happy with me. Um, it's also about four feet long and 40 pounds, too. I thought it was a groundhog, except it was a big, angry possum. So, again, even the possums are growing here, and I, I'm really worried if we don't eradicate this problem. <laughs> We're going to have a major issue come the fall. Yeah. On top of everything else. <laughs> You ready to wrap it up on that one, Mike? Was that not good? That was good. <laughs> well, that certainly is our uh, our cue here. We're going to get done under an hour here, which is good news. So uh, we'll wrap it up for this time. Everybody, safe, happy holiday weekend. We will see you next time for earsports.com. I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you later.